You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Normally we'd say belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar and strap it in for the start of the Major League Baseball season, but Chris unfortunately cannot be with us today, so we are not at the nine-foot homemade oak bar. We are at an undisclosed remote location for security purposes, but we are still here for 30 minutes of White Sox baseball talk for fans by fans. Sox in the basement, as always, brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Named one of the South Town's best in 2021 by the Daily South Town. You've got bowing walls, you've got window well leaks, you've got foundation and crack repair issues, you've got concrete that is sinking towards your house and causing water to dump in. Your sump pump isn't working, your gutters need to be cleaned, your yard is flooding. Anything that you can think of that's going to put water inside your house, keep it out of there with Family Waterproofing Solutions. Family veteran owned and operated since they started up in 2013. Give them a call 24-7. They're always available. 708-330-4466. FamilyDry.com. What a difference a family makes. So joining me today for the purposes of getting you ready for a White Sox run at the playoffs again is from Sox on 35th, Jordan Lazowski. Jordan, how are you? Good. Happy Friday. Glad to be here. Glad to be filling in for Chris. Uh, at my undisclosed location. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have to disclose necessarily, but uh, what we uh, what we do have is uh, we do have opening day today. So White Sox are set to, as we are recording this, they're set to, to still play, although the weather's been terrible all around the country and a bunch of Thursday games got bumped. Um, you know, I, so I, I think we're, we're going to work under the assumption as you and I are recording that we're going to be fine and that the Sox are going to take, take the field. And we're going to see Lucas Giolito start off the season and try and get things off on the right foot, but with some injury news. And that's Yohan Moncada going to be out three weeks. So I, I don't know. What do you think? Does this does this kill the team, having Yohan out for, for three weeks? I'll be honest. For the first time in a long time, it, it feels like this team has serviceable depth on the position side of things. You know, if, if someone goes down to the outfield, well, I guess we can have Adam Engel or Andrew Vaughn run out there. If someone goes down to the infield, well, like we had today, Jake Berger makes the opening day roster, will be part of the opening day lineup. He's serviceable for three weeks. I I don't see any scenario, unless it's long-term, obviously, where there's a guy that can't fill in a position serviceably for two, three, four weeks, whatever it might be. Um, That being said, no, this doesn't sink the White Sox on day one. I don't think fans should expect it to. I'm just glad, like, I had said the fir- for the first time in what feels like a long time, the Sox have built up enough depth to have these little nagging injuries that come up and, and, and insulate for them as a result. Right. So y- you're looking at Jake Berger for the next few weeks. He hit well in spring training. Uh, he hit well in his cup of coffee last year. And, you know, I don't think defensively they're terribly, terribly worried about him. I suppose if things go really south, they could always play Josh Harrison over at third. He, he's done that pretty serviceably himself and you also then would see a lot of Larry Garcia at second base I have a feeling which is something that I think Sox fans have been sort of stealing themselves for anyway so it's not not that big of a deal in my mind 
my curiosity becomes even if Jake Berger were to show something here and show that maybe he is a viable major league player, what is the trade market even look like? And, and does it something that, you know, Rick has to jump on while the iron's hot in case Jake does well here, but then goes back down to triple a and, and, you know, maybe scuffles a bit or, or, you know, it looks like it's just a flash in the pan. Cause it is only for a couple of weeks. You know, we've already seen Chris Paddock get traded to the Twins. Not that I really wanted him, but you're starting to run out of teams that are looking to move guys. Yeah, I'll be honest. You know, the, these little mini stints that the White Sox have for Jake Berger end of last season and the start of this one are huge for both Berger himself to hopefully land somewhere at some point that will give him the playing time he deserves, but also for the White Sox to get a good amount in return for him. I mean, he's still fully controlled in, in terms of years of control. Uh, so I've got a couple options that are available to him, so that shouldn't be an issue at all for the team. He just has to perform. People have to see that he can perform. And it, it's not a difficult ask. I mean, this was a first-round draft pick, top 100 prospect at, at one point in his career, or at least borderline top 100 prospect. Like, He's a good ball player. He just hasn't been able to be on the field. So for Berger, I think just continuing to show teams that, yes, I am actually this good ball player, like here's me proving it, does a lot. It's a win-win situation. There's a lot for Berger, and there's a lot for the White Sox. I I don't know where they would end up trading him necessarily because rebuilding teams don't want him because he's major league ready. But contending teams kind of already said, you know, here's our third baseman for the year. This is what we're going with. So maybe someone who needs a DH or someone who needs a backup first baseman, something like that. I I think there's roles for him. I just think it'll be if an injury opens up a position somewhere. Because I I don't think rebuilding teams want someone who's major league ready. You've seen that in the trades that have gone down this offseason. Yeah, I I mean, you've got, you know, the the Padres were an interesting study because they took Brent Rooker from the Twins, who's a good, good player. And, you know, probably more in the mold of Gavin Sheets than Jake Berger and, and, you know, in terms of where he plays and what he's capable of. But they were looking for major league ready talent, just not necessarily a third baseman because there's this Machado guy that, uh, I, you know, I, I believe Kenny Williams still thinks he should have signed uh, and made the best deal for. But there's that Machado guy over at third and he's not he's not being supplanted by Jake Berger and they have a glut of first baseman because they have Luke Voigt and they still have Eric Hosmer because they weren't able to move him. I mean, the, the shades are, I, I'm wearing my shades today. So you can't see the shock in my eyes that they didn't want uh, Berger over Machado over at third base in San Diego, but you're bringing up a good point. Like as you see these trades go down, it'll be teams like the Padres who are still trying to find a solution to some sort of hole somewhere. Um, the, the Paddock move ends up being actually really nice for the Padres because they get a really good reliever in, in Rodgers and they get a really good outfield prospect. I mean, you're looking at guys like, I mean, Aaron Bummer type roles for the White Sox in terms of what that return would have been. And then like a Yoelke Cespedes almost. Like those types of players are what the, the, the Padres were able to get for Paddock who has had arm concerns in the past. I wanted Paddock. I would have taken him but not at that price. But at the same time, you're kind of seeing as spring training has wrapped up here and opening day's beginning, that's how teams are going to fill their holes is, you know, hey, the Twins still not sure what they're doing. Um, They still look more primed to sell off at the deadline than they do to contend and buy at the deadline. 
but th- that's how teams are just going to operate right now is, you know, if, if it's not the perfect rebuilding deal, they're probably not going to take it at this point. A- unless it's something like the Padres where you're just offloading from a glut in terms of how many starting pitchers they have. And then from there deciding, Hey, let's see if Brett Rooker can be our answer in the outfield. Doesn't have a ton of experience yet, but let's see if he can be that answer. Yeah. Which again, leaves the white Sox looking at, you know, probably the best move that they could have made was Johnny Cueto, which they did. Now he's going to be a couple of weeks in, in ramping up and getting ready. Although you suspect a guy like that doesn't probably need a whole lot of time to get himself loose, especially because he's just going to goof around on the mound to a certain degree. And yeah, he's, he's done this plenty of times and it's, it's not like he's a, uh, a guy that's going to go out and and really overexert to a certain degree to, to get out. He, you know, he's perfectly capable of being an efficient pitcher at this point. It's just a question of whether or not he's actually going to have any long-term value to the team, or is this just, you know, the hope that somewhere between Keuchel and, you know, Cueto and Ronaldo Lopez, that they build the back end of a rotation, at least until Lance Lynn, gets his knee right, and then, you know, the good news for for the White Sox is that Lance Lynn will probably be much healthier and in much better shape at the end of the season this year than he was last year. Yeah, agreed. I think when you look at Cueto specifically, he gave them a a 4.08 ERA in San Francisco last year, over 115 innings. Like, that's probably what the White Sox could use right about now to replace Lance Lynn. You're not going to replace Lance Lynn's production with one ball player. That just wasn't available, and even if it was, uh, you probably didn't have the trade assets to get to it. Uh, Larusa had had a nice quote the other day uh, that I I firmly believe in. Cueto's a pitcher rather than a thrower. Like he knows how to be crafty, get outs, and yes, to your point, um, yeah, kind of just means you're at the back end of your career uh, at a certain point. I think you wrote something like that in Mismatch Box today about um, Zach Greinke, but at, at the same time. You know, that's still a ball player who can teach young guys something and can provide you quality innings. Um, we're not expecting him to be Cy Young Johnny Cueto by any means, and I don't think they need him to be. They just need him to be better than Dallas Keuchel, Vince Velasquez, and Ronaldo Lopez. And right now, that's not a high bar to hit. And that, that's where you kind of say, all right, let's take this chance, see what he can give us. And, you know, if D- Dallas Keuchel doesn't bounce back, well, maybe you just DFA him and see what Cueto uh, can give you because Keigel's not going over 160 innings anyway because the Sox don't want to pick up that option next year. So it, it, it's all going to be a numbers game where at the end of the day, anything Cueto can give you that's solid is better than nothing. And I think that was the approach when you signed him. Yeah, speaking of uh, bars to hit, the back end of the rotation may not be a high bar to hit, but a good bar to hit. There's two of them. Cork and Carey, both of their locations. Of course, one of them, the traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood. I uh, hit their outdoor patio, their bar. It's getting to be that time of the year where you're going to be able to do that, and it's glorious to be able to get together with people, sit outside, have some drinks, or plan an event. they got multiple event rooms for your next party, uh, which you can see and book your next event at CorkandCarry.com. That's Cork and Carry Beverly at 10614 Southwestern Avenue. Or if you're like me, on opening day, you are looking forward to hitting Cork and Carry at the park 33rd in Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark, award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. Get your drinks, get your food in you before you hit the ball game. Two-for-one burgers when you dine in on Mondays during non-Sox home games. So 
this Monday would actually count. And, of course, an extensive bar with Rotation Craft Beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines, your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties. Uh, you know, you might run into me and Chris out there or maybe run into you, Jordan, out there on, on Tuesday for opening day. So Cork and Carry at the park, 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark or your traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood, Cork and Carry Beverly at 10614 Southwestern Avenue. So Sox on 35th, uh, you got all the writers together or most of them anyway. Uh, and it's an extensive crew. Um, notably, you did not get Chris and I together on this, but you guys made a bunch of predictions for the White Sox season. So looking at some of, you know, some of what we're, we're trying to predict, I mean, I think everybody is pretty clearly saying we're good on the idea that we're going to get into the playoffs. Like that's not, that's not a prediction at this point. That just seems like something that is a reasonable, reasonably safe bet. Even, even the prognosticators, the professional ones are saying what 70, 80% chance that the White Sox get into the playoffs, either division or wild card. But what were some of the what were some of the uh, predictions that kind of surprised you as as everyone was getting together? As we were putting them together, Ed, and to be very clear, like you were in the Slack group, you could you could have contributed if you wanted to, Ed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I missed it, and Chris doesn't check in on that group very often. But anyway. But anyway, um, when you, when you look at some of the pr- predictions, I think some are more common than others. You know, a lot of people said, "Hey, Luis Robert MVP." Like, that's a popular pick. Cy Young was kind of split. Giolito, Cease, Lynn kind of all got their own separate votes. I, I think a lot of fan or a lot of our writers are expecting some sort of Moncada bounce back, one way or another. Some of us higher on him than others in, in terms of what the bounce back is looking like. And in terms of the playoffs in general, I think it's been, you know, the record was pretty much the same, around ninety-one to ninety-five wins. Um, but but where people felt like the Sox were going to finish in the playoffs was anywhere from winning the World Series to losing in the ALDS again. Um, it's hard to get a real grip on this team, and I think you saw it in the predictions because, you know, for as much as people wanted, hey, go get a right fielder, go get another starter, the reality of the situation was that, you know, a, a new, uh, another starter and a right fielder don't win the White Sox, the ALDS, in 2021. Like, the internal team has to be a lot better. And, and because of that, that's why our predictions were all over the place. I think they were all really interesting. There were a few trends, like I mentioned. At the end of the day, though, like we got to see what this product looks like improved year over year from those guys who have been here both seasons. So who do you think actually improves this year? Because I my my thought is, is that Andrew Vaughn has got nowhere to go but up, frankly. So I don't think that that's much of an issue. But I, I think the biggest kind of surprise improvement is going to come out of the bullpen, but not the, not the main four guys. I think the Sox are going to have a little bit deeper pen this year than they did last year where they were really relying on Michael Kopech a lot. And they were relying on Garrett Crochet. I just, I just felt like there was more attention paid in the off season to building up around them so that some of these younger arms. So now you got guys like Tanner Banks and Bennett Souza making the team because of injury, but that to me was going to be an area that I thought was going to be interesting uh, to watch to see how it gets better. And for my mind, one of the things that you do see is a guy like Banks who comes into spring training has clearly bought into something Ethan Katz is doing to, to help guys maximize velocity. Or you got a guy like Kyle Crick who is rediscovering something because Ethan Katz, much like he did with Carlos Rodon, 
sees a mechanical issue and is able to help him fix it. That type of stuff, I think, has a huge impact on the team, especially early on where nobody, I don't care who you are, your starters are not going six, seven innings across the majors. And you're also going to see, I think, some guys really scuffle out of the gate too because they're going to hit a dead arm in about two weeks, two, three weeks that they would have hit in spring training, but now they're going to hit it, you know, in the middle of the second inning against, you know, whatever team they happen to be facing that day. Yeah, the bullpen situation is interesting because, you know, a lot of fans have been very critical of the amount of money spent on the bullpen, which is fair. Um, I personally think you should be able to build a bullpen from your internal depth. That being said, we remember all the the talk about, hey, this super bullpen the Sox created last year, and it had guys like Jose Ruiz, Ryan Burr, Matt Foster, being, or even Evan Marshall, too, as being critical pieces of it. And those are truly, those are the true volatile arms. Those that stand out one year and then can't figure it out the next. I don't have an issue paying a couple of relievers $8 million who are proven relievers. Yes, bullpen pieces are still volatile. They might not be as good, but they're veteran guys who have a track record. I feel better about that. So then to your point, if I bring up guys like Bennett Sousa and guys like that, you know, I can keep them in those mop-up roles where I don't need to depend on them to be this quote-unquote super bullpen. So I think this bullpen should absolutely be better because you're less... The standard deviation, I guess, in, in terms of players is going to be a lot smaller this year, which which is good for the White Sox and, and will only help when, like you're saying, dead arm happens and ineffectiveness comes around every fifth day with Dallas Keuchel and you got guys who need to pick up innings and guys who maybe like in the Tanner Banks or Benitez have pitched multi-inning games can be multi-inning mock-up guys. I, I think top to bottom, the bullpen is 100% better and should reflect it in the results this year. Well, yeah, and I also think that, you know, credit to Rick Hahn for the A.J. Pollock trade really solidifying that part of the lineup. I think there was a lot more put into the idea that you had to have stars in the outfield. You had to have a star in the outfield and you had to have another star on the infield because you were replacing Nick Madrigal, who everybody assumed was going to be a, a star player at some point because of his contact skills and the temptation to go out and get somebody who's a bigger name like Schwarber or Castellanos or Michael Conforto, who's still sitting there and will probably be sitting there until the all-star break at this point. But, but it's, it's um, I, I, the other thing I, I think will be an interesting level of improvement is the lack of reliance on sort of unknown quantities. Because at this point, you have a feel for what Gavin Sheets is and could be, and I think you have a feel for what Andrew Vaughn is building towards, but you know what his floor is, and, and it's what he did last year, quite frankly. But Larry Garcia, Josh Harrison, these are guys with track records, whether you like Larry or not. A.J. Pollock's got a track record. We know that the sky's the limit, you know, not even the sky, the universe is the limit for Luis Robert. And Aloy Jimenez should have more of a comeback season after, you know, the injury last year. So you've got all these these guys who really you kind of know what they are. And even in the rotation, I think the only one that you don't really have a feel for, you hope you don't have a feel for, is Dallas Keuchel. Cause if- I think you, you look at this team and it's – like you're saying, it's more proven. You you have a better sense of what you're getting top to bottom, where you don't feel like you have to rely on 
if this guy has a breakout season or if this guy doesn't hit his rookie wall like Andrew Vaughn did. Like, you needed everything to go right at times last year and guys to come up and produce right away. Now you don't necessarily have that. You know what you have with a lot of these guys. And for a lot of fans, yeah, Josh Harrison, Larry Garcia, and myself included, doesn't move the needle for many. But you know what you're getting. You know what you've insulated against for yourself. And at the end of the day, you've made your team a bit better on the surface by doing that. I think it was a it was a confusing offseason in, in many respects. It was one where... You know, they publicly and correctly identified, hey, we need left-handed hitting, and we need his, or starting pitching. Instead, they went out and signed relievers and a bunch of utility guys. I, I mean, we can question, you know, what changed? Where was the disconnect between what was told to us and what was going on behind the scenes? And we'll probably never get answers to that. But at the end of the day, like you're saying, this team, top to bottom, more proven. You might not like everybody they filled in the guys with, but you more or less know what you're getting and that's important when you're trying to build a team for the first half so that you know at the all-star break or trade deadline what you need to focus on because you can trust the guys heading into the second half and moving into the playoffs from there yeah there's something to be said about high floor because there's definitely high ceiling with some guys on this team but high floor is really a good thing to have if you're going to go into the playoffs and if you're going to go into the afterlife, a good thing to have is an estate plan. Wills, trust, powers of attorney. Uh, be ready for probate. Uh, you know, you can help protect the people and assets in your life with Village Law Offices. They're at 1320 Tower Road in Schaumburg. Give them a call at 847-656-3600. In addition to planning on being dead, they can help you out with real estate closings, prenups, small business services. So you got plenty of legal services for housing, businesses, and dead people. Check them out at villagelawoffices.com. And so I, I think we can keep looking back at the off season and wonder, but at this point, the, the fun part of this time of year, right? It's, it's, it's the fact that we don't know where the team's going to end up because they haven't played the games yet. And we, we finally get to see it. So what are you most looking forward to this year as a Sox fan, as somebody who covers the team, what is it that just has you giddy going into opening day? For me, honestly, just the prospect of, again, another team with good expectations on the field. You know, just another year removed from all the narratives around the rebuild, all this and this. And it's it's exciting, but it's also nerve-wracking. And I think it gets your heart going in a good way as a baseball fan that this team should be phenomenal on paper. Like, you, you can say, yes, the Sox probably should have done more to their rotation. They could have done more at X, Y, Z. Take your pick, whatever. That doesn't change the fact that this is a really, really talented ball club. Most talented we've seen in a very long time. And I think the the prospect of everything just clicking at the right time and this team running a train right through the playoffs into the World Series is a legitimate possibility and is legitimately exciting as you see them day one opening day. You know, some guys... Specifically, I'm looking forward to Dylan C's taking the next step. Lucas Giolito even taking another step forward. Like seeing these young guys who we have talked about for years and years continue to establish themselves to the next level. And I can't wait to see what comes of a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's Eloy and Luis Robert and Andrew Vaughn and, and Sheets 
and Giolito and Cease, you know, those guys are the guys that I'm looking at going, okay, you have the chance to take the step to become something special, not just, not just really good, but actually something that is legitimately special. And, you know, doing it around guys like Tim Anderson, let's say I'm, I'm interested to see, can TA go back to uh, contending for a batting title? You know, for example, is that something that he still has in him because you feel like something like that helps make this a more magical run? You know, I'm, I'm curious to see what Jose Abreu has left in the tank, but it really is. It's, it's those guys that have the high ceiling, the, the rebuild core, if you will, of, of young players that Rick Hahn put together just for this purpose. They're the ones that are going to take you to the promised land, and those are the guys that I'm looking to see what they can do. Um, any pessimism on any of those guys for you? The pessimism for me always comes from, again, a lot of these guys, even the core guys you mentioned, uh, Jimenez, Abreu, Anderson, these types of guys, when they slump, they slump. And it's about avoiding the scenarios where you're just basically an out in the lineup. I I think the pessimism there for me is just the offense not reaching its ceiling. It is a very legitimate potential, as it is with any team, obviously. And I think the bull, or excuse me, the starting rotation has to be a legitimate concern at the same time. I think they will be fine. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think missing two months of Lance Lynn means uh, pack away and, and just give in. Because A, you have the trade deadline and you have one clear need right now in your rotation. Um, but at the same time, it's like you're going to see some games where it's like, man, if we only had that one guy or if only we did X, Y, Z differently. And I think there's room for pessimism there but honestly like maybe it's just the lockout had me so excited for this season but i'm legitimately very excited to watch this team i i have not been this excited or had this high of expectations for a team in a long time and i think they're warranted and it's about time to put it out there and prove that all those rebuilding years were absolutely worth it so if i'm reading you correctly here your pessimism for the 2022 white Sox is that there will be times during the season when the pitchers give up more runs than you would like, and there's going to be times in the season when some of the hitters don't hit as well as you would like or that they would like. But that's true of every team. So basically, your only, ho- your only cause for pessimism is that baseball has ups and downs. Am I hearing you correctly? It is, and it's just about making sure it happens at the right times. You know, I mean, all last year we made all this talk about, oh, the White Sox can't beat good teams. The White Sox can't do this and this. Their percentage against teams over 500 is this. And it's like, well, I I just, you, you want, again, it's a game of ups and downs, and it's making sure the ups, comes at, the right, ups come at the right time and, and the downs, you know, happen when it's fine to happen. I get it's very just cliche and how I've described it, but you don't look at this team and say, oh, they have a hole here. Like You, you wish they had more starting pitching, absolutely. But you don't go like, oh, this... It, like last year, for take last year, for example. Adam Eden in right field. We all probably knew that was going to be a mistake. Like Heading into the season, my pessimism would have been, when's he going to fall off a cliff in, in right field? Now, I don't feel like that around this team. And maybe it's just again too much cautious optimism at the same time though like if the starting pitching isn't ideal for a little bit like that's fine 
Like, if they can't beat some good teams for a little bit, that's fine, too. Like, just do whatever it takes to improve this team enough to where when you start in October, then you can just run right through the playoffs. Like, that is the biggest thing for me. And the only pessimism there is, you know, it, it just never clicks for these guys. They just st- still stick in that rut, still make the same mistakes that they did last year, don't show any growth. I think that's a natural concern, but also that that's still just baseball at the end of the day, as everything I've kind of described is. I mean, this, this conversation has just turned into encapsulating Chicago White Sox fandom, really Chicago sports fandom, just completely. Our team is really, really good, but disaster lurks around every corner. <laughs> it does, though. That it, it does. It's like, what happens if this happens? What happens if it doesn't? And I'm, I'm truly, usually a very optimistic person. So, but, it, but it's also recognizing that, yeah, things could go bad. You're relying on a lot of things to go right, and you're relying on a lot of things to fix themselves. There were huge issues last year that no matter who you signed would still be issues. So when you look at it that way, it's like, you know, there's opportunities for growth to not happen that needs to happen. But if you believe in this rebuild and you believe in the players that have been put on this field, you know, that's just worrying for worrying's sake in my mind. If you believe in these guys and you believe in what the plan was for this rebuild, this is what you were looking for as, as a fan of all of that. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, White Sox baseball, we're a really great team, but disaster lurks around every corner. <laughs> all right, Jordan, uh, you can check out Jordan Lazowski and the rest of the writing staff at Sox on 35th, myself included. Uh, great coverage. They're going to be recapping every game. And, you know, you can go there for all the information you need on the Sox and, of course, to listen to Sox in the Basement. And you can listen to Sox in the Basement wherever podcasts are found. And Chris will be back next week. And we will be looking forward to talking to you on opening day is when we'll put out our next show. And we will hopefully see you out at the ballpark. Jordan, thank you for stepping in. We will talk to you again soon, my friend. Talk to y'all soon. Good to, good to be on with Chad, and thanks everyone for listening. Have a great weekend. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.